Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 5 of Ran Away to Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tom Merritt. Ran Away to Sea by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter 5. One of the disagreeables which a boy sailor encounters on first going to sea is the being compelled to mount up aloft. If the master of the vessel be a man of considerate feelings, he will allow the apprentice a little time to get over the dread of climbing by sending him only into the lower rigging, or no higher than the main or foretop. He will practice him a good deal upon the shrouds, so as to accustom his feet and fingers to the ratlines and other ropes, and will even permit him to pass a number of times through the lubber's hole, instead of forcing him to climb back downwards by the futtock shrouds. A few trials of this kind will take away the giddiness felt on first mounting to a high elevation, and thus a boy may safely be denied the use of the lubber's hole and may be sent up the futtock shrouds, and after that the top-gallant shrouds, and so on to the royals, if there be any on the ship, and by thus gradually inducting him into the art of climbing, he will get over the difficulty without dread and without peril, for both of these may be encountered in the first climbing to the upper rigging of a ship. It is usual, then, for masters who are humane to permit boys to become somewhat accustomed to the handling of ropes before sending them into the highest rigging. But, alas, there are many who have not this consideration, and it is not uncommon for a youth, fresh from home and school, to be ordered up to the top-gallant cross-trees or even the royal yard, at the very first go. And, of course, his life is imperiled by the ascent. Not unfrequent have been the instances in which the lives of boys have been sacrificed in this very way. Now, it so happened that for two weeks, after I had set foot upon board the Pandora, I had never been ordered aloft. I had not even had occasion to ascend the lower shrouds, though I had done so of my own will, as I was desirous of learning to climb. In all my life I had never been higher than the branches of an apple tree, and since I had now chosen the sea for my profession, though I sadly repented my choice, I felt that the sooner I learnt to move about among the rigging, the better. But, singular to say, 
for the first two weeks after embarking myself on the Pandora, I found but little opportunity of practicing. Once or twice I had climbed up the rat lines and crawled through the lover's hole to the main top, and this I believed to be something of a feat, for I felt giddy enough while accomplishing it. I would have extended my enterprise by an attempt to ascend the topmast shrouds, but I was never allowed time, as the voice of either captain or mate would reach me from below, usually summoning me with an oath and ordering me upon some other business, such as to mop out the cabin, swab the quarter-deck, black their boots, or perform some other menial act of service. In fact, I had begun to perceive that the drunken old skipper had no intention of teaching me anything of the seaman's craft, but had taken me aboard as a sort of slave of all work, to be kicked about by everybody, but by himself in particular. That this was in reality his design became every day more evident to me, and caused me disappointment and chagrin. Not that I was any longer ambitious of being a sailor, and could I have transported myself safely home again at that moment, it is not likely I should ever afterwards have set foot upon a rat line. But I knew that I was bent upon a long voyage. How long or whither bound I could not tell, and even though I might be able to desert from the Pandora when she reached her port, a purpose I secretly meditated. How should I act then? In a foreign land, without friends, without money, without the knowledge of a trade, how was I to exist, even if I could escape from the bondage of my apprenticeship? In all likelihood, I should starve. Without knowing aught of seamanship, I should have no chance of getting a passage home again. Whereas, if I had been allowed to practice with the rest, I might soon have acquired sufficient knowledge to enable me to work my passage, as it is termed, to any part of the world. This was just what I wanted, and it was on this account I felt so much aggrieved at finding it was the very thing I was not to be taught. I had the hardihood on one occasion, I know not what inspired me, to make a remonstrance about this to the captain. I made it in the most delicate manner I could. My immediate answer was a knockdown, followed by a series of kicks that mottled my body with blue spots, and the more remote consequence of my damned impudence, as the captain called it, was worse treatment than ever. I would soon have learnt to climb had I been left to myself, but I was not allowed even to practice that. I was always called below by one or the other of my tyrants, and with an oath, a cuff, or a kick, ordered upon some piece of dirty work. Once, however, I was not ordered alow, but aloft. Once I was allowed to have my fill of climbing. Snatching an interval when I thought both mate and master were asleep, I had gone up to the main top. Everyone who has looked upon a full-rigged ship must have noticed some distance up the main mast a frame wood or platform, like a little scaffold. 
a similar construction may be observed on the fore and mizzen mast if the ship be a large one this platform is called the top and its principal object is to extend the ladder-like ropes called shrouds that reach from its outer edge to the head of the mast next above which latter is the topmast it must here be observed that the mast of a ship as understood by landsmen are each divided into a number of pieces in the reckoning of a sailor for instance in a ship or bark there are three which are called respectively the main fore and mizzen masts the mainmast being near the middle of the ship the foremast forward towards the bows and the mizzenmast aft near the stern or poop but each one of these is divided into several pieces which pieces have distinct names in the sailor's vocabulary thus the mainmast to a sailor is not the whole of that long straight stick which rises up out of the middle of the ship's deck and points like a spire to the sky on the contrary the mainmast terminates a little above the platform just mentioned and which from that circumstance is designed the main top another mast quite distinct from this and made out of a separate piece of timber there begins and runs up for nearly an equal length but of course more slender than the main mast itself which latter supports it this second is called the main topmast above that a third is elevated supported upon the topmast head by cheeks trestles and cross trees this is shorter and more slender than the main topmast and is named the main topgallant mast and above this again the main royal mast is similarly raised though it is only in the largest and best rigged vessels that a royal mast is used the main royal mast terminates the structure and its top or head is usually crowned with a flat circular piece of wood called the main truck which is the most elevated point in the ship the fore and mizzen mast are similarly divided though the latter is much shorter than either of the others and rarely has topgallant sails and still more rarely royals i have given this explanation in order that you may understand that the main top to which i say i climbed was not the most elevated point of the mast but simply the platform near the head of the mainmast as understood by sailors this platform is in the common parlance of the crew frequently designated the cradle and it merits the appellation for in a vessel at sea and under a breeze it is generally rocked about either in long sweeps from side to side or backward and forward from stem to stern according to the ship's motion it is the pleasantest part of the ship for one who is inclined to solitude for once upon it you cannot see aught of what is going on below unless you look over the edge or down through the lubber's hole already mentioned you may hear the voices of the crew but not distinctly 
as the surge of the sea itself and the wind drumming upon the sails and whistling through the shrouds usually drowns most other sounds to me it was the greatest luxury to spend a few minutes in this retired spot sick of the association into which i had so heedlessly thrown myself disgusted with the constant blasphemy ever in my ears and above all longing for repose i would have given anything to have been permitted to spend my leisure hours in this aerial cradle but i found no leisure hours nor moments for such indulgence for my unfeeling tyrants gave me neither rest nor repose the mate in particular seemed to take pleasure in rendering my existence as miserable as he could and discovering that i had a predilection for the top seemed determined that of all other places i should not go there to rest myself one day however believing that he and the captain had both gone to sleep as they sometimes did in fine weather i took the opportunity of ascending to my favorite perch and stretching my wearied limbs along the hard planks i lay listening to the sad sighing of the winds and waters a sweet breeze fanned my brow and notwithstanding the danger which there was in falling asleep there for there was no top armor or netting upon the pandora i was soon in the land of dreams End of chapter 5With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.